How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com. And anywhere you download podcasts, I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano. We got former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman R.J. Hollis. And guys, the growing pains continue for the University of Hawaii football team who fell to 1-4 with a 45-26 loss at New Mexico State this past Saturday, suffering the first ever loss to the Aggies in the series history in a game that matched the lagging, herky-jerky, and frustrating stream that flow sports provided by the, the accounts of many here this past weekend. But regardless of outcome, you know how we roll here on Bo's Football Final, and there's lots to talk about before we get to start vala'awing about the Warrior experience and the loss to the Aggies. Here's what quarterback Braden Shager had to say following the loss. This one sucks. This one, this one's tough because it was definitely a winnable game. I thought we we could have won, and I thought we were put in positions to be able to win. And it just comes back to me making missing some throws, and uh, we just—I mean, it's little things, you know. It's throws that I can that I've made since I was just started playing football, and it just comes back to fundamentals, like Coach Chang has always been saying. So it's just little things, and uh, I think we have potential. We just got to continue to lock in. I mean, I think. Everyone saw the potential of what the offense could be there at the end. Just gotta, just gotta execute that the whole game. I'm gonna go watch the film. That's gonna hurt. So we just gotta continue to get better, and we're starting Mountain West play now. So hope for the best. All right, much mahalo to KHON2 weekend sports anchor Alan Hoshida for talking to Braden after the game. Obviously, Shager disappointed with the loss to New Mexico State. We certainly want to get into the specifics of this game, talking offense, defense, special teams, everything in between. But before we do that, I'd like to just get a broader sense and reaction to the loss for this University of Hawaii football team. And so, Rich Miano, when the clock struck zero, obviously this game was... Uh, handled and determined long before that happened. But when it did finally become an afterthought and this game was over, 45-26 loss at New Mexico State, what was the first thing that came into your mind? Well, Rob, I'm like you. That was a poor broadcast. So it almost makes the play on the field that much harder to kind of fathom or swallow. So that was a tough one. That thing hurt. But my biggest takeaway is this team is in need of a week off. You know, that offensive identity that they're changing to the run and shoot concepts, maybe will look a lot better with Zion Bowens with Chuki Hines with some receivers that can separate. And obviously, how do you put in these concepts in a travel week? So we saw some 10 personnel. We saw Caleb Phillips uh, do some nice things, whatever else. But again, the identity and schematically, this will continue to be questioned until a quarterback plays well, they score points, and they have some fluidity. So this was rough to uh, watch. And then defensively, biggest takeaway, they need to tackle better. Is it schematics versus run first teams? This Hawaii has just not tackled well. They have not played well. I'm not sure it's scheme. I'm not sure it's athleticism. But it's something because they need to learn how to play run first team. So it was tough to swallow. Very disappointing. Yeah, it's interesting because heading into the week and really after every game this season, it seemed to be the the biggest question was what's the offensive identity of this football team? And the interesting thing to come out of this game is that I think it's pretty clear to see what the identity is now and what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go and where they're trying to take things. And so I think that's one less question 
that there is now as far as what is the offensive identity. Um, but with that being said, there's a lot to iron out. There's a lot of wrinkles here that you need to flatten before you go out to the club and wear your shirt. As uh, I feel like I just turned into RJ Hollis right there. That is something yes. RJ would say. But um, but RJ, uh, you know, same thing. I asked Rich uh, when when that clock struck zero, and and you see this that this University of Hawaii football team is one and four with loads and loads of improvement to be done here moving forward what jumped out to you what's the first thing that came to your mind uh for me rob i i don't even think it was when the clock struck zero um i tried to get on the flow sports uh stream or whatever it was very difficult and by the time i actually even got to it it was seven zero uh is up so i'm kind of just thinking all right not go through the hassle or worry of trying to get through this follow with your basic app and we'll be good and when I look back at my phone, seven to zero turned into 35 to 10 because I got a halftime alert. And to me, that was one of the biggest and alerting concerns was that after UH scored first, somehow, some way, they got outscored 35 to three in the first half. The second half, they came back, actually outscored New Mexico State. So there's kind of a little silver lining there. But I think to just allow that amount of uncontested uh, consecutive scoring from a, a team that's not going to be anywhere near the best team that you have to play. I, I think that was the biggest concern long before it struck zero, just seeing, you know, the way that New Mexico state was able to jump all over Hawaii for lack of a better term. I think that was the biggest concern to me. I mean, if you lose and it's by three points, it's back and forth, it's coin flip. That's one thing, but you know, I think to allow that much consecutive scoring with a team that only had 81 passing yards against you. Uh, I think the concern was just how much of a score gap New Mexico State was able to create more so than just losing a game. You lose some good games to re in really tight, you know, ball games all the time. It happens all the time. One touchdown, one field goal. That's one thing. But to be down 35-10, to me, that was a uh, flashing red light, stop sign, return, go back. You know, old lady screaming with blood on her forehead. Do not keep coming. But uh, it's a football game, so you had to finish it. And, you know, I think it's something UH is going to have to figure out, and they got a bye week to figure it out. So they got to work on that hard. Yeah, a lot to work on. And, and you can imagine that watching the game film together as a team will not be a fun experience. But obviously, when a team gives up over 200 yards rushing in the first half, almost 400 for the game defensively, that's, that's an obvious talking point. But... Heading into the week, the big storyline, as we talked about, was the offense needing to reinvent themselves. Uh, Timmy Chang came out earlier in the week and hinted at, hey, we need to do something. We need to go vertical. We need, we're going to be able to, uh, to implement some things that, that fans have been asking for and that will be familiar to University of Hawaii fans, a.k.a. the run and shoot. And we saw that for this University of Hawaii football team a reintroduction of sorts to the run and shooter, at least as much as you can in four practices, uh, getting ready for a road game uh, at the non-conference level. And we saw tight ends play more receiver than they did anything else in a ball game. Majority of the plays came four wide in shotgun. Um, another obvious tell was the miscommunications on some routes that Hawaii fans should be accustomed to when the run and shoot isn't quite clicking on all cylinders between receivers and quarterback. Uh, we've seen that time and time again over the years, even glory days at University of Hawaii football. That's kind of the, the first step to learning the run and shoot and getting it through uh, <clears throat> everybody's system there. Um, the When you look at 
this offense and uh, before we really delve into the the schematics of everything and, and the bells and whistles, let, let's give out some numbers here. Uh, Braden Shager at quarterback gets the start after Joey Yellen had started the previous three. Uh, I think all signs were pointing at Shager being the quarterback when the University of Hawaii makes this transition to try to throw the ball more. He goes 22 of 39, 261 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you wouldn't imagine just over 55% completion percentage being a recipe for success, um, but did not turn the ball over, which is a positive for this University of Hawaii offense. Dedrick Parsons, 16 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns, just over four yards a carry. Tylen Hines, six carries, 39 yards. Uh, he had a long of 36 and averaged about seven per pop. Jordan Johnson averaged six per pop on four carries. Receiving-wise, Caleb Phillips, the aforementioned tight end who played more receiver than anything else in this game, eight catches for 138 yards, a long of 40, which is the longest pass play of the season. Also a first for the University of Hawaii or, or a milestone is that Jalen Walthall, two catches, 23 yards, but of course a 16-yard touchdown reception. That was the first touchdown pass of the season for the Rainbow Warriors. And then you look at defensively, uh, Panay Pavihi, seven tackles, Meki Pace, six tackles, and a tackle for loss to go with one pass breakup. Uh, outside of that, not much to talk about here defensively for this Rainbow Warrior football team. But again, like I said, we all know how poorly the defense played, and we will talk a lot about the defense. But I think that heading into the week with all the attention on the offense and what they were trying to accomplish and what they're trying to implement, um, that's where we start this real conversation. And so, Rich Miano, um, I guess this is a twofold question. One, your thoughts on how the offense played, but then also, and maybe even more importantly, your thoughts on the decision to go where they're going with the offense. And that's Timmy Chang saying, hey, we need to throw this football. We need to get closer to the run and shoot. And like I said, the first steps of doing that were very obvious on Saturday. Yeah, Rob, you know, you saw more 10 personnel. And again, you're not going to, on a travel week, I mean, they left on Wednesday. You're not going to be able to put in uh, all the concepts of the run and shoot. So I thought that was a positive. Saw a little bit of the delay, saw a choice, saw some four, four verticals. But expect more concepts to come in this week uh, during the bye. Uh, and also, you know, you'll get some receivers back because you need some speed to separate. And I think schematically, they've got to do a better job of getting guys open in situations, right? The positives were that Shager didn't force balls, right? He didn't make poor decisions and didn't turn it over. But I, again, uh, schematically and athletically, this offense needs to get better. Um, the receiver, of course, thin as paper right now, and they've got to get uh, some guys back healthy-wise. On the negative side, I didn't think Shager set his feet. I don't think he was accurate for the most part. He struggled. He needs to and can play better. And I think he will as he continues to get reps and they introduce some more schemes that will help this offense out. So, I mean, overall, I mean, they didn't turn it over again. There wasn't that many penalties. There was a lot of positives. But I thought the offensive line played well. We're still running the ball well. Protection was pretty good for the most part. And then I think the running back stable is a quality stable too. It's comes down to receivers that can get open and some of that's schematically, some of that's athletically. And hopefully those things will come in the next two weeks. RJ, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously you could say this about any offense, but I think as I make this point, I think it would be understandable as far as what we've seen out of this UH offense. There hasn't been a lot of fluky 
um, offensive drives, right? Where, uh, and obviously because heading into this week, the longest pass play was 31 yards and um, where it, things aren't going right, things aren't going right. And then boom, you get a 75 yard touchdown or right. This is every time the offense put a scoring drive together this entire season, it's like, boom, 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 moving down the field. Kind of like you saw against New Mexico state where in that very first possession, you know, you're, you're passing the football, you're moving up and down, you're moving the change, you're moving the change, you get down within the five yard line and then you punch it in because you have a solid offensive line and you have a really good running back in Diedrich Parson. And so it, this team is showing that they're just not good enough to go multiple drives, you know, three and out. And, and even if you're getting into a, a third and three situation and then you have an incomplete pass or whatever it is, this just is a team that isn't good enough to recover from those types of situations. And so um, your thoughts on what you saw out of the offense in regards to moving forward to with what they're trying to accomplish. And did you see enough from what was put on tape against New Mexico state that, that tells you that, okay, uh, regardless of what the outcome was, this is a better path for this offense moving forward. Braden Shager um, and, and the other players involved in this offense, this is where you need to go in order to find the success. Or do you think that it was one of those situations where, they should have kept doing what they were doing and continued to try and perfect that. And uh, and it's too late into the season. It's uh, too quick amount of time to be able to try and completely change what you're doing. Your thoughts on that, RJ? Uh, I'm going to try and answer it based off of what I believe you're asking me. And I'm going to say yes, that what they did, they needed to do. We discussed this last week where I kind of said, you know, you should stay away from the run and shoot. But I was more so speaking as an entire offense. Rich kind of rebutted to that saying we should aim to have more vertical concepts. We should aim to be going down the field with our passes, which I think is very good. And I think there was, you know, and it's hard being a media person talking about positivity. Everybody want to get on you about being like, oh, you too positive. You too this, you do that. Let's not forget Braden Shager threw four interceptions in a game earlier this season. And also you scored your first passing touchdown this season all in the same game. So even though it wasn't the results you wanted, you still have a passing game that's showing itself as an work and improvement. You need to improve on it, obviously. You need to do more, obviously. But being that Braden Shaker was able to finally get that monkey off of his back, the offense, even Ian Shoemaker should be relieved that, hey, you know, my last job, I was putting up over 500 yards a game, and now it took me almost five games to get my first passing touchdown. So there is concerns, but with no turnovers, with you missing both Jonah Pinoke and Zion Bowens, who would have been your wide receiver one and two coming into this season, being able to get your tight end home, let's be real. This offense that Ian Shoemaker wants to make probably doesn't even have tight ends in it. But being able to get one to go over 100 yards, having your quarterback that you believe is your QB1 not have any turnovers, finally get a passing touchdown, I think those are all very small and intricate points of improvement that we've seen. If you've watched it the whole season, regardless of how you want to look at it, negative or positive, you know of looking at this strictly from an offensive pass game standpoint, this is probably one of the better passing games that UH has had. Even though it didn't come to fruition, even though you didn't put up big yards and you didn't get a bunch of touchdowns, there was no turnovers. There was a play that was drawn up that got a touchdown. You finally see some trickeration that gets Caleb Phillips that nice long pass. And that was a pretty covered double reverse pass. So 
It wasn't like he was just wide open to get it. Braden Shaker still had to sit there with set feet and make a pretty good pass, which he did. So do I think it's perfect? Obviously not. Do I think it needs work? Obviously so. But if you've been watching this entire season of what this past game was in comparison to what it could become, I'm not saying that if you play every game like New Mexico State, it's going to be great. But if you make those imp- you make those improvements, zero turnovers, two touchdowns next week, zero turnovers, three touchdowns. Maybe I get up to four touchdowns and I do turn the ball over, but now I have an identity, I have a comfortable quarterback, and I have a receiving core that is now starting to get my concept. So I think slowly but surely, if they keep doing what they're doing and putting some of these vertical concepts in, bit at a time, like what Rich said last week, I think you'll see a better passing game going forward. Was it what you wanted in a win result? Of course not. But there are small points of improvement that if you're even micromanaging the offense, you can't deny there was some improvement in that game. Yeah, and one thing I'll add is that uh, being that Ian Shoemaker has never run the run and shoot before in his career, I can't imagine um, that this is anything but a collaborative effort. And Timmy Chang has a very big part to do in this offense moving forward, being that he has a lot of success and a lot of experience in the run and shoot. Um, you know, and so I think that should be pointed out as far as Ian Shoemaker's contributions to what they're doing right now. Um, I, I think uh, a lot of the attention should go to head coach Timmy Chang, even though it was obvious that when he took this job, that that was not something that he wanted to do because there was a lot on his plate, as you would imagine, as far as getting things back uh, off the field for this University of Hawaii football program that went through a lot of turmoil and uh, a lot of uh, burnt bridges in a way with the community over the last few years and trying to regain that. Um, But it's obvious now that Timmy Chang has a big hand in this offense moving forward. All right, Rich Miano, you talked about Braden Shager setting his feet. You talked about lack of separation by the receivers in this game. You have a lot of experience of sitting in on game tape being watched within the run and shoot. And obviously this isn't a full blown entire playbook run and shoot football team. Um, you would think that it's going to get to that eventually, but what do you think the the biggest highlights will be for Braden Shager at quarterback for this team, running this system and, and trying to take another step forward uh, with these baby steps in, in a way of uh, getting this offense under control? Well, he's gonna, you know, he's not a product of the run and shoot as well. So I talked to Coach Chang about the intricacy, the intricacies and nuances of quarterback play, right? So some of that half roll stuff and some of that receivers coming into his vision and him understanding how to read coverages pre-snap and on the run and being on the same page with these wide receivers. It takes hundreds, if not thousands of reps, right? So hopefully he'll get the majority of reps in the bye week, the majority of reps in the week leading up to San Diego State, and he and his receivers will get on the same page because it's not going to be pure run shoot and nothing is anymore, right? We're still going to have some RPOs. We're still going to have some 11 personnel where the, you know, H or Y is going to be close to the tackle and coming back through the formation and running inside zone and some other things. I'm sure they'll have more than three running plays uh, like the run and shoot sometimes does depending upon how pure it is. So um, I expect just uh, again, you can't get enough reps. You can't give Braden Shager enough reps. But this will be his first full dose of having the amount of time and the amount of reps and seeing defenses uh, that he's going to see, you know, in terms of just on the same page with wide receivers. So this, as I said earlier in the season, before the season even started, 
We'll judge this team week eight or nine. We'll see how the concepts come along. We'll see if they're playing better defense. We'll see if they're winning the hidden yardage on special teams and having some explosive plays. But right now, as RJ alluded to, these are baby steps. And this buy couldn't have come at a better time because this offense could stay out there 24 hours a day for the next 14 days. And they're still going to be not on the same page necessarily. But like RJ said, if it's two or three touchdowns and zero or one turnovers, less continued with less penalties, discipline, I think uh, the fan base will have some patience. All right, let's talk about this University of Hawaii defensive effort in this loss, 45-26 to New Mexico State. As I mentioned earlier, the Aggies were at over 200 yards rushing through just two quarters of this game. They ended up putting together 357 yards rushing here uh, in this Rainbow Warrior loss. And you have six rushers for NMSU that averaged over 4.7 yards per carry. I'm looking at the box score right now, and obviously star Thomas, 11 carries, 144 yards and a touchdown. Gavin Frakes, the quarterback, had six carries for 78 yards, including a long of 25, which was a touchdown. You had Jamoni Jones, 12 carries, 59 yards, and two touchdowns. But I'm not going to go over everyone's name, but I'm looking at the box score right now. This is what the average rush, the average yards per carry for everyone that carried a football for New Mexico State. And, and obviously it goes in order of, uh, of, of size. So 13.1 yards per carry, 13 yards per carry, 4, 4.9, 6.8, 4.7, 5.0, 6.0. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I mean, I, I imagine that when uh, Alex Green set the single season rushing mark against Utah State back in 2010, I haven't looked at the box score in a while, but I imagine it probably looked like that. Um, because that was a game that not only Alex Green was running the football, but anyone and everyone that needed to was uh, based on the way that the Aggies were playing. And, and you know, ironically, these Aggies uh, do the same thing to the University of Hawaii. And so, Rich Miano, first things first, this defensive effort by the Bows. And we were just talking about last week in their win over Duquesne about how, hey, the defense won that football game as the offense continues to struggle. Then you look and fast forward, and this time around, the offense scores more points than they have at any point this season. They threw the ball for more yards than they have at any point this season. They had their first passing touchdown. The running backs continued to pick up, you know, almost a first down every two times that they run a football. Yet the defense now, the ones that got punched in the mouth, what happened in this game, Rich? And it was very early that, that it was evident that this was going to be a long night. Yeah, Rob, you and I think alike because to me, the unit that was playing better the last three games actually uh, regressed, and that's the defense. They were tackling better. They were making big plays. This was a definite regression in terms of defense because, you know, look at this now. New Mexico State had not scored a point in the first half in the previous four games, right? They also they scored 35 against Hawaii. They also were average rushing around 110 yards per game. They rushed for, as you mentioned, close to 400, over 350 yards rushing. We are now 130th out of 131 teams in college football against the run. We're also 124 out of 131 total defense. So whether it's schematics, responsibility, but this defense has not proved it can play against a run first team, a read option type of team. And that's really been deflating, Rob. Bad tackling. And dare I say, and challenge the coaches and the players, toughness. Where's the tackle for losses? Where's the sacks? Where's the big hits? Where's the cause fumbles? 
That's what Hawaii football, you can score 700 points and have 900 yards of offense. But you know what? If you ain't hitting people, you ain't causing fumbles, you ain't tackling for losses, you ain't causing sacks. I'm not sure this fan base will appreciate this team until this defense makes the big plays. R.J. Hollis, uh, tackling continues to be an issue. Uh, as Rich talked about, you know, that aggressiveness. And, and, and there were some plays in this where you, you just know, and obviously we're not in the huddle. We're not there in the coaches' meetings, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the, the player personnel meetings and all that. But there were just some situations, especially on the read option, where you can't imagine that some of the things that, that the Rainbow Warrior players were electing to do when given that option of quarterback or running back, who do I go after? You can't imagine that that's what they were taught, uh, you know, in those scenarios. Um, yet we saw those kinds of mistakes uh, time in and time again. And I think one of them that jumps out was, um, uh, and not to spotlight on someone, but uh, on that long quarterback run where, I mean, just right up the field, the quarterback, uh, keeps it on an option and you have your last man standing your your safety you know in the back end of the field who just chases after the running back who doesn't have the ball and the quarterback skates in for a touchdown and so um when you see the the struggles that this defensive ha has had and you look at Vanderbilt I think the the main concern was tackling in that Vanderbilt game where they ran all, all over the University of Hawaii I think that was a clear number one I think for this game, there's a little bit of a balance between tackling was an issue, but then also assignment, right? Alignment and assignment, as Rich Miano always talks about. And so which one of those is more concerning to you? Is it that um, the, you know, coming through on a tackle or just not being in the play because you don't know what to do? Oh, that's actually a very, that is a very good question, Rob. Uh and I haven't played defense in a very long time, so it'd be hard to do it. But I'd have to say the assignment. Uh, not knowing where to be is almost inexcusable no matter who your coach is. And you've kind of had the same technique teachings almost since you were in varsity in high school. And, you know, you got to give uh, a little bit of a reasoning to, I'd say, lack of rotation. you got a lot of these defensive guys, especially uh, Pavihi and Tufunga, basically being the only two solid <clears throat> linebackers that have had that playing experience that have been around for a while. You only have two D linemen that are coming close to 300 and uh, Tui Tupo and Blessman Ta'ala. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's not as easy as, oh, is it the assignment? Oh, is it the effort? Sometimes you really just get bodied. You get bullied. That was a big running back they had. Buddy was not little. I mean, I couldn't watch it, you know, live the whole time. But that running back that went over 100 or some yards was not a little guy. And when you got these offensive linemen, you know, going against DNs that are 220, 230, in a pass, that might put them in the advantage because they're faster. But when you talk about a solid run game, you need size. You need beef. You're not going to go up against any solid running game with smaller players and be there. So that is kind of, uh, okay, we just don't have the guys to keep up with it. So that's why I put that on the back burner to assignment, where assignment is no matter what, you should still be here. Even if you do get ran over in the right spot, you're in the right spot versus me going down and the quarterback coming around and I have no business being in the inside gap. So I definitely have to give it to assignment. Not knowing what you need to do is inexcusable, even on a personal standpoint. If I'm on there and there's so many plays I don't know, when I get out on the sideline, I'm saying, hey, coach, what do I need to do 
What am I messing up on? And I'm getting that work right then and there, because if I can't do it, I'm not going to keep putting myself out on the field to make that happen. Rich, uh, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Before, before we do that real quickly, I got to give credit where credit is due. I have a, a friend of mine that lives near Las Cruces. I'm not quite sure um, what exact area it is, but he told me, uh, Brian, earlier in the week that, hey, this New Mexico State offensive line is the real deal. Don't let blowout losses to big-time teams fool you. And, and really even brought up the UTEP game and said, watch how they played against UTEP, the, the offensive line, uh, that, and how good they are, how big they are, how strong they are. And then you look at UTEP beating Boise State this past weekend, and that was a close game, New Mexico State and UTEP. And so I got to give credit where credit is due uh, in regards to I was given fair warn warning about how good this New Mexico State offensive line is, and, and they really proved it. But Rich Miano, going back to that question I posed to RJ as far as what's more concerning, uh, you know, the, the lack of tackling or assignment uh, football, um, which one is more concerning to you? And please take this wherever you want it to go. Yeah, and both, Robin. That's a good point, right? These guys are developing that run game. That's the that's the style. That's the DNA of this head coach. And they're getting better. And they're on scholarship as well. And as RJ mentioned, that's a big back. So I remember playing, and I can't remember the opponent, but I knew we were on the road. And we gave up like 300 yards in the first half of rushing as well. It was triple option. This is more like double option. We don't have to lock the end man on the line of scrimmage because if you give the dive, he's responsible for the quarterback. So I guarantee you when Jacob Euro, Etienne, Chris Brown, Abraham Elamimian watch this film, as a secondary coach, I, I questioned schematics at halftime to Greg McMackin. And I said, who's supposed to tackle the dive? And he came back with, we got three guys on the dive, which normally that's the case, right, against triple option. So they may not have three guys against the dive. But as RJ said, some of it, they're getting bullied, as you mentioned, in terms of the, you know, there's only a couple of guys that are over 300 pounds, bless me to Allah, John Tui Pateau. Then it's, you know, some of it is missed assignments, Right. And then you mentioned the safety needs to go inside out. He has to tackle the dive. He has to go to the quarterback on triple option. Then he goes to the pitch and he overran a bunch of plays as well. So as we turn on the film, we're going to see sure as a coach, we might be able to scheme this up a little better. We hope we're going to be more athletic, but we are who we are. But then it, it is tackling. It is fundamentals. And sometimes you have guys at the point of attack and they're bouncing off this big running backs legs They're you know, tackling it up high and he's dragging them for another 15 yards. But I promise you this, Rob, that staff will get after it. But I do think that this defense needs to be challenged in terms of toughness, in terms of grit, in terms of how bad they want this after a defeat like this. Well, the uh, I, I think the the overall consensus, whether you're talking offense, defense, special teams, whatever it is, is that the University of Hawaii has a lot of improving to do here uh, as they enter their bye week, a much needed bye week before conference play begins. They'll be taking on San Diego State in a couple of weeks on the road to open that MWC schedule, and uh, and of course uh, that that's what this University of Hawaii football team will try to tackle here. Uh, for uh, no pun intended, is to, to get better at tackling uh, to be able to improve on this evolving offense here uh, that you transition to uh, five games into the season. Uh, but we'll see how the Rainbow Warriors do moving forward. And as always, we'll be here every step of the way here on Bo's Football Final every Monday at KHON2.com and anywhere you download podcasts. But let's go to the Bo's Football Final mailbox right now before we close to, uh, close up shop here. And, uh, and before we get to one of the questions, I got to say that it, 
you know, if you hit control F, right, and you can find anything on, on your computer screen, it, if you hit control F and typed in the words June Jones, uh, your computer might overheat from over usage of uh, yellow highlighter because uh, I think that the, we should rename the Bose football final mailbox that. And, 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 and this is, um, uh, I want to preface this by saying, uh, don't take this out of context. Um, and this is no disrespect. Okay, please understand what I'm trying to say. But like, in all honesty, I mean, the greatest thing that has ever happened to the legend of June Jones was not getting this job because <laughs> it, it has just grown to where I truly believe that there are people out there that think that five games into the UH season, if June Jones was the head coach, uh, the NFL would have knocked on the door and brought UH into the AFC North because they'd be that good. And they'd be knocking off Alabama, uh, you know, in, a, in, in the national championship game here coming up. And obviously the situation we are in is that Timmy Chang is the head coach of this University of Hawaii football team. Uh, we brought this up earlier in week one when a lot of these questions were asked. I don't see a real need or reason to delve into this every week as far as what would have happened if someone else was hired. Um, and, and I don't think I've seen anything this season that says that the head coach of this football team is the problem with what's going on and why this team is one in four. Obviously we talk at length about a lot of the issues that the university of Hawaii is going through this season. So um, I don't feel a need to, to, to bring those questions up every single time, but we appreciate Everyone who sends in questions to the Bose Football Final Mailbox, you can find me on Instagram at Rob DeMello, Twitter at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N, Facebook, Rob DeMello, or DeMello at K-H-O-N2.com if uh, you like email. But uh, the first question comes from Makoa, who is asking, is there real hope for improvement? Usually bad teams are just bad teams. Do you honestly see any bright spots that tell you that this team can get some wins in the conference schedule. So Mahalo Makoa for that question. And so Rich, uh, I'm going to go to you first is, do you see any legitimate bright spots, uh, offense, defense, coaching, whatever it is that tells you that, Hey, this is a team that can still improve and can still make a run here, whether it's not at the conference championship, but make a run at getting some wins here in 2022. Yeah, you know, I think when you look through this conference, the Mountain West Conference is arguably the weakest it's been since its inception in, in terms of playing against FCS teams. Colorado State looks absolutely horrible. Nevada looks absolutely horrible, but UNLV is getting better. You know, Fresno's going to have athletes. San Diego State's going to run the football and do what they do on defense. So, yeah, chasing championships is not going to be in the cards this week, but I do think in – I was proven wrong this week for all those people that call me quarterback apologists. Braden Shaker didn't play well, but he can play better and he will play better with continued reps and better receivers and better play calling, quite frankly. Defensively, they, they're decimated in terms of athleticism, in terms of, like RJ mentioned, who's coming back, what kind of, you know, uh, size they have on the defensive line, but they can tackle better. I'm sure Jacob Euro can call a better game plan. I'm sure that you know, these guys are going to make some big plays towards the end of the year. So I'm not giving up on this football program. But at the same time, we all have to realize that this is not Timmy Chang's fault, that they may be the least talented team in the Mountain West Conference. And they used to be the most talented team in the Mountain West Conference. That was put on his plate, so to speak. And I agree with you, Rob. Bill Belichick could coach this team and you're not winning the Mountain West Conference championship this year. Now, as far as June Jones goes, and I don't want to get off topic here, and Cal Lee, 
Both of those guys are not appreciated enough and should have statues of themselves on whatever stadium is built at Aloha Stadium. But yeah, this is a tough, tough turnaround. The, the toughest in all of college football. I'll challenge anybody to tell me who lost more players, who has less resources, who's been put in a tougher position than Timmy Chan. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, RJ, I was going to ask you your thoughts on this question. Based on time, uh, Rich gave us the perfect transition to question number two. And so I'll actually start with you, RJ, on this one, where you said that June Jones, Cowley deserve statues at uh, the new Aloha Stadium whenever, wherever that thing is built. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly um, on both of those situations. June Jones, um, I think, gets a lot of uh, respect and, and is treated fairly by the fans as he should be, but I don't think that June Jones gets the respect from the state of Hawaii in regards to decision makers, in regards to things like that, and, and, and being honored for what he was able to do in his time at the University of Hawaii as the head coach, as the winningest coach in program history, and as the coach that brought the program to just greater heights than anyone thought was possible. And so, therefore, yes, Cowley, June Jones, whether it's a statue at the front of this uh, non-existent stadium or just it honored in some way, I mean, a ring of honor or whatever it is, both of those coaches deserve that kind of love. Uh, and, and and not only deserve that kind of love, but they, they need to, to experience that now, right? We don't want one of those situations that 50 years from now, um, you know, that's when they're being honored. You don't know. They, they deserve that right now. Um, but again, Carl asked the question in regards to the stadium situation. All right, guys. And obviously, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered here uh, moving forward in regards to what's going to happen with Governor Ige's uh, big announcement in, in a couple of weeks. And obviously, that story got out sooner than anticipated. And so that's why there's still a lot of uh, cliffhangers on that. But in the simplest terms possible is that the public-private partnership in regards to building a restaurant and entertainment district and all that with the stadium um, has kind of been scratched, right? And now it's just $400 million to build this stadium, just build it, get it done with. Uh, there's a lot of signs that point towards the University of Hawaii being in charge of the project moving forward and no longer in the hands of the stadium authority and all that, all right? So with that being said, this is a question by Carl, right? So I, I, we don't need to delve into what's going on because we're going to learn more uh, about what's going on. But this is the, the, the best way to phrase this question is that if someone gave you the $400 million to build this stadium, what are you doing? All right. And so that's just the question. What are you doing? Okay. And so I'm going to try to narrow it down a little easier for you guys and say, here's your options. All right. You take $400 million, you knock down the current Aloha Stadium, you build it right in that footprint. Uh, without the entertainment district and all that right now, maybe that's something that could come later, but you build it right there. You get it done, built fast, and, and you start playing football there hopefully in three years. Okay, that's option one. Number two is that you take that $400 million and you build it at the University of Hawaii and the footprint of the current Aloha Stadium that's been there since 1975 can be used for other things that this state needs, namely uh, low-income housing for the people of Hawaii. And so therefore you're getting your stadium and you're getting that at the same time, two birds with one stone, you can look at it. All right. And then the other option is something that has nothing to do with any of those two and you create it. 
So what are you doing? RJ Hollis, you're given the power. You have the opportunity to rule the world. What are you doing? Uh, it's funny. I actually wrote a, a paper on this exact thing. I wasn't given 400 million. I think it was like 30 million, figuratively speaking. But I'm going all in on T.C. Ching. Uh, $400 million. At, first of all, what $400 million would do for the University of Hawaii in general? That would be crazy. But for UH Athletics, I could take $150 million. And what I could do with that T.C. Ching and retrofit it for a great football experience while still being able to help all of the other athletics easily. I'm going to do that. Not to mention. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. So wait, wait. So, so that's one thing I got to, you're not allowed to do anything with the rest of it. You can't like take some okay, of the money, all like all 400 million, all like that, 400 million. because that's, that's what it's earmarked better. for. Yeah, That's even better. I, if they say I can't help everybody, then UH football would have all the bells and whistles at TC Ching. I would even try and do something with that parking structure to create a tailgating area for the fans that have been complaining about lack of tailgating. I would do whatever I could for two reasons. One, if there's no entertainment section going in Halaba, then what is UH going to Halaba for? If you can already do it on campus, why make that unnecessary 30 minute drive when you don't need to? The second thing is all of the money stays in the school. There's no more confusion of who's running it, what we got to wait on for the state, what clearances we need. Obviously, you still need your permits for building. But if it's all in the hands of the university, you can put $400 million into a stadium that can be on campus. Obviously, you're going to need winning. You're going to need more excitement. But I think that would take care of itself if you could take that lump sum and get yourself a nice twenty-five to 30,000 stadium fitting on campus. That's what I'm going with. All right. So uh, before we go to Rich, RJ, a couple of things that and, and I love it. And uh, you're not the only person that feels that way. Uh, here's where things get a little interesting, right? Is that unlike San Diego State, who is building an, a, a new stadium, you could drive down to Carson, California for a few years and play football games over there while that's being built and then go and play in this, right? Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex is all you have for the University of Hawaii football team. And so any building of a stadium is going to require doing it piece by piece over the length of years and so you know whether that approach is a hey, we start as soon as, i mean when the last tackle is made to the season like as teams are running into the tunnel you have construction workers running onto the field at the same time and they're crossing pads because they need to start building this thing is um you know maybe you start on the opposite side of the current existing cement structure of the Clarence TC Ching Athletics Complex. And you start on that side first, right? You don't need the track anymore and all that. So you can start, you can build it closer. And then maybe the next year you do the end zones. And then maybe it has to be like Aloha Stadium where there's bridges that connect these four pieces of this stadium, but it's concrete and it's big and it's state of the art and it's flashy and you put $400 million into it. Um, obviously you need to work on, on parking and all those situations. And, and so I think that's the one thing about going to the Ching complex is that it's not going to be this close your eyes. And it's like, voila, this stadium is built. Um, it, it's going to require a lot of herky jerkiness because of the fact that they need to play there. I mean, unless you go to Maui and you play at War Memorial Stadium for a few years, but I just don't see that as a real option. You can play some games there, but I mean, you can't desert your fan base and the people who will be buying tickets and all that for years and then come back, right? That's just something that is very dangerous. Um, so Rich Miano, if you rule the world, you had $400 million. What are you doing with it? Where is that stadium being built? 
I'm going to preface to say that, yes, the biggest problem in the state is affordable housing. So that is something that needs to be done. But Rob, I'm building the entertainment complex at Aloha Stadium, where H1, H2, H3 meet on the west side. It's a shorter drive. RJ's talking about driving in town, but for all the west side, the growing, the second uh, city where those people enjoy football as much as anybody, it's got to be at Aloha Stadium. We are starving for entertainment. When Eminem came and Snoop Dogg and the Eagles and everybody else, Bruno Mars, whatever else, we need a world-class entertainment. And I'm going public-private partnership, whether it's Kobayashi McNaughton, whether it's uh, Stanford Carr, whether it's Gary Oda, whoever that is, the O in uh, the entertainment district, LA Live, the O in, uh, there are consultants out there. There are already plans out there that have already been accomplished to build a phenomenal entertainment complex. I, be honest with you, when University of Hawaii built the softball stadium, you couldn't see home plate. I wouldn't let the University of Hawaii build my Rottweiler's doghouse. <laughs> they how okay. you really feel. okay and, and I, my question i'm building it i'm i'm not i'm, I'm i had three guys from watching out for 100 million kids bit i'm not gonna write a check and walk away just so y'all know in my dream i don't write this check and walk away i'm watching every dollar but <laughs> rottweiler's doghouse that <laughs> I, I love it, Rich. Well, well, hey, we we're gonna learn a lot here moving forward. Um, the one thing we do know is that this thing is a mess. I mean, it just is, <laughs> yes. right? I mean, I, I mean, the fact that uh, the the year was twenty twenty when we found out, right? Because it was about to be twenty twenty one. I mean, the year was twenty twenty when we found out that the Loa Stadium would not be hosting games moving forward. We're now sitting in 2022, and and not only 2022, the back end of 2022. I mean, it it's almost October, and hey, the thing's Rob, still standing. Rob, Snapdragon Stadium was built in the time we haven't even torn ours down. San Diego State's off-campus stadium, right? And the thing is, is we take three weeks to leak a story and then to tell you what we're going to do with it. Then we got to tear it down. Then we got to build it. And everybody in Hawaii is aware of the rail and all the other construction boondoggles, overcost, uh, time frame. You mentioned, Rob, you go to you go to um, on campus. What are we going to be the road warriors for the next three to four years? Yeah, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm almost almost certain at this time that my son, my three year old son will be able to spell <laughs> Snapdragon Stadium before we even know what. The University of Hawaii football team is going to be playing in moving forward, but uh, obviously a frustrating situation, and it just piles on to the frustration of this University of Hawaii football program to where um, if you're a fan, I mean, yeah, it adds to it. I mean, watching a team have to rebuild, but then uh, seeing the lack of rebuild in regards to their stadium, uh, knowing what that means to recruiting and to donations and everything moving forward. I mean, it's a real punch in the gut, uh, but we got to get going here on Bose football final. The, the last question here on the Bose football final mailbox. It's one of those. I could have just let go. I could have just, but, but I feel like, Hey, you know, if, if the question's asked, I want to be able to provide the answer. And so uh, this one, it, I'm assuming it's directed at me because uh, by context clues, because it's not written to anyone, but it says, uh, this is from Mark. I'm leaving out the last name because, hey, if you want people to know what your last name is, you can repost this or whatever it is. But uh, Mark, I would just like to point out how unprofessional you are. You spend all week overhyping UH football. And then when they play, you don't say a word just to score, even though all week you said that they would win. All right. So there's layers to this. Number one, find me a time. I said that the University of Hawaii football team would win. 
All right, yes, find me a time. I mean, this is going back years. to training camp. All find me a time never. that I nope. said that this University of Hawaii football team would win. In fact, going back to training camp, uh, I think the two words that I use the most is rebuild and inexperience. Right. Find me a time that there's someone talking about a championship team who's constantly reminding people that this is a rebuilding program who lacks experience. Right. That you won't find it. So um, that part, I'm sorry if uh, that's what you hear when I talk, but by no stretch of the imagination, am I saying that the University of Hawaii football team uh, was winning any games? I mean, I, I didn't say one way or the other. The other part is overhyping UH football again. There's no overhyping. I'm, I'm, I'm not selling anything, right? I'm working as a media member that his primary job is to cover the UH football team. And therefore, you put a lot of time, you put a lot of effort, you put a lot of energy into it. And the fact that there's a lot of UH football coverage does not mean that it's overhyping, right? It just means that this is the place to go if you need your University of Hawaii football coverage. And uh, I have a philosophy as far as how to cover this UH football team and really how to cover anything is that no matter if they're winning or losing, you cover it to the best of your ability and you provide content to people so that when they are winning, people already know where to go. Because when more eyeballs and more ears are interested in a product because they're winning, well, if you've been there this whole time and you've been there over the last 20 years and you're doing the same thing, no matter if they're winning or losing, then when they are winning, then people know where they go. And so uh, the answer to that is KHON2 sports, right? Um, can, can I follow up with that? Okay. One is Mark is I go all over these Hawaiian islands and nobody has ever done a better job of promoting local athletes and pr promoting. Okay. No, no, we don't need to hear that. No, no, but, no, 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 but, but no, but Rob, I want to follow up by, me and RJ, we got your back, Mark. So you got a problem, Rob. You got a problem with me, with me no, and RJ, bro. Hey, no, like I said, and and I could have just let this go, and and I don't want this to turn into like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, to trying to prove my worth. But I want to, hey, if you had the question, I want to give you the answer, right? And the last one I think is really important <laughs> is uh, that I spend all week, uh, you know, quote unquote, overhyping UH football, and then when they lose. I only give the score and I don't do anything else. Right. Um, there's, there's two reasons for that. Number one, I am off on Saturdays. Right. And uh, I work with two awesome people, Alan Hoshido and Christian Shimabuku, who uh, I constantly remind people throughout the week that, Hey, for continuing coverage, you go there. Right. I am off on Saturdays. And uh, for, for a big reason is that I work the spectrum sports broadcast as well. And so therefore during the game, I'm busy. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not able to tweet, you know, live stats and what's going on. And so I'm the kind of guy that, Hey, if I'm not doing it this week, I don't do it any week. Right. Like I want that consistency. And so therefore Alan and Christian, that's where you go on game days. All right. And I've made that clear from the beginning. I'm, people follow them on Instagram, on Facebook, on, on Twitter. I mean, find these guys because they got great coverage. All right. And they got you on Saturday. I'm back to work on Sundays and then I'll get, I, I'll, I'll pick up the slack, uh, you know, as they have their days off here, you know, as the week goes on. And so uh, and number two to that, I'm also a dad, guys. OK, I got three kids and all <laughs> of them had sporting events on Saturday. I'm not going to take time away from them to give out coverage that my partners are already providing. All right. So, um, again, this isn't a uh, step up on a soapbox thing, but this is a hey. You know, maybe this is a, a bigger picture thing where, you know, like, hey, there's reasons for everything. And if you just take time 
to think about it as far as what's going on, then maybe you wouldn't be so angry about things. All right. So um, RJ Hollis, Rich Miano, uh, we got to get going, but real quickly, uh, real fast. Uh, what do you want to see out of this bye week for the University of Hawaii football team? RJ Hollis, quickly, you go. I, I want to see them have the same fire that my man Mark got while he said <laughs> messages over some anonymous, you know, uh, social media outlets. And I got every social media there is, and I didn't get any DM, and I'm on Bo's football final just as much as Rob. So if anybody got some questions like that for me, I'll take them. But I do want to see dog. I do want to see fight. I want to see some intensity. Seriously. And not just, oh, you know, oh, yeah, we want to see him come out and execute. No, I want to see some drooling. I want to see some mouthpieces hanging when you face San Diego State. I want to see Bird get that ball two or three times and come up that middle and get hit so hard that when he go back into the huddle, you can catch him thinking about it. It's got to be some step. This is a sport of violence and passion. So that part. We, I, I want to see the assignments, whatever. Okay. That's got to come. That's playing football in general. But what I want to see, I want to see some dogs take the field and win or loss against San Diego. There should be a mutual respect from what fans and what San Diego sees from that team that takes their field. All I want to see. All right. RJ Hollis wants to see some dog out of the University of Hawaii. Rich Miano just wants to make sure that the University of Hawaii isn't building that dog house. Rich Miano. What do you want to see him by week? <laughs> Defensively, fundamentals, but more important, as RJ alluded to, toughness, grit, violence, just in tackling, you know, that kind of stuff. Offensively, June Jones used to get 100 reps on a Friday practice, bro. Get thousands of reps before you play San Diego State. Get this timing game caught up to the running game. And, hey, we could surprise some people. So just let's get to work, boys. All right, we shall see what happens. Of course, the University of Hawaii football team on a bye week, they will get back to action on October 8th against San Diego State. That game will be at 4.30 Hawaii time, uh, and it will be televised on the CBS Sports Network. But of course, it's just a whole lot of practice from here on out moving forward for this Rainbow Warrior football team at 1-4 and four who tries to improve their standing here as they get ready for Mountain West Conference play. For Rich Miano, RJ Hollis, much mahalo for joining, guys. Much mahalo to everybody who listens. Every week, Monday, 8.08 a.m. at KHON2.com or anywhere you download podcasts. This has been another edition of Bo's Football Final. Have a great week, everybody. Aloha. Aloha.